All right, everybody, let's make our way back to our seat this morning. Let me invite you uh, to open up your Bibles or your smartphones uh, to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. Also, these verses will be on the screen here, center stage behind me. Nehemiah, just a few, couple of books before the book of Psalms, and then a couple of books later after Kings or Chronicles is kind of where Nehemiah is tucked in. If you're just joining us, kind of are new uh, here today, uh, just we are in the middle of a sermon series that we are calling Let's Do Work uh, on Nehemiah and looking at a few different aspects uh, throughout this story. And I want to show you, I want to show you a picture here um, of Nehemiah's uh, uh, Jerusalem at the time. Uh, You guys able to have that? Okay. When you give you a minute to pull that up. Um, we, we're week three into this series, and so uh, a couple of weeks ago we started, and we kind of brought out the, the spirit of Nehemiah, and then last week we began circling, Jeremiah, or excuse me, circling, circling Jerusalem by looking at the different gates. And so you guys see that okay? Can you see that fairly well? So um, this is a picture of, of just an outline, really, of of Jerusalem at the time of Nehemiah's day and time. It's starting on the far left uh, corner there where it says Sheep Gate and then working its way down uh, and around. Uh, those 3.1, 3.3, those are scriptures. That's uh, Nehemiah 3 is what that stands for. Here's what I want, want you to do. I said this last week, but kind of want us in this series to look at this picture kind of as a type and shadow of our own life, Okay of our own life, and maybe even, even to go so far as, as, our, ch- as our church. And you can see the wall that, that uh, marks the outline. The wall can be like it represents our life, okay? Uh, the temple in the middle representing our faith, and then the gates are around the outside. There's 10 gates mentioned in chapter 3. The gates are what I call spiritual action points, uh, is what I call those. Um, but kind of just like in, in Nehemiah's time, in, it, God's people went through some things, went through some seasons, went through some challenges, and went through some setbacks. We do the same here today. There's no difference in the sense of it actually happening, uh, the, 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 the relevancy of what it is then and now. And so here's the thing. We live, we go through life, we go through situations, we go through some some ups and downs, and here's the thing about that, different uh, circumstances that we, that we encounter is they, they, they can leave us in a certain frame of mind after going through them. They can leave us in a certain condition and a position that may not be the, the, the shape that God had designed for our life, but through it, we, you can see how God can use those circumstances and use those situations to bring about His will. And his way in our life. And so, like Nehemiah, when, when we go through life and we go through seasons, here's the thing. We have to, we have to take some time to reassess and to recommit ourselves to doing the work of rebuilding and restoring. And that's where Nehemiah found himself. And that's what this story, one of the things this story shows. And uh, after, after decades of captivity, God's people released from Babylon go, to go back to their hometown, their home life. And so that's what was going on. A group of, uh, of the Lord's people were headed back to Jerusalem to rebuild their life and to restore their faith, so to speak. And they had experienced a lot of challenges uh, throughout, their, throughout a period of time. 
And Nehemiah got word of what was going on. He inquired, hey, how's it going? How are people doing? Are they back on track? Are they, are they with it? Are they moving forward? And so that's where chapter 1 picks up verse 3. Look at this verse. Nehemiah said, things, the word that came to him, they told him, things are not going well for those who returned. He said, they are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down. And the gates have been destroyed by fire. The wall has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Let's pray over this word today. Lord God, we thank you for your presence here. And we now thank you for your word. Lord, you have something you want to speak to us. You have something you you want to get inside of us for us to understand. Some clarity, some direction maybe just a peace of mind from your word. And so, Lord, today I pray that you would speak to us, that we would have ears to hear. Lord, and our lives would gel with what you have. We want your will. We want your ways. We want your word to work in our life. And ask that you would help me to deliver this now in a way that would honor you and help your people. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So last week, we started kind of making this, uh, the, the circle around Jerusalem. We started with the first two gates, the sheep gate and the fish gate. Now, keep in mind, all of these different gates have a meaning and they have a purpose. The work they did then has meaning and significance for the work you and I are called to do today. Uh, not necessarily the physical work on a wall, per se, or on a gate, but there's a lot, there is so much spiritual um, implication that that rings loud and clear from this story so after experiencing the amazing grace of god through salvation in jesus christ and then feeling then being filled with that excitement to tell other people and to share your faith with other people about what jesus has done for you and what he is doing for you and how he has changed your life there comes a point in time where a christian has to have a turning point in their life They have to have a turning point in their life to where what that is is the establishing of a strong spiritual foundation so that you can move forward in your faith in Christ. It has to happen with every single believer. If that spiritual foundation doesn't happen, doesn't get strong at the initial point in time of salvation, then there's a high chance that you're not going to be able to carry on with, with, in faith and move forward in the, in the direction and the new life that Christ has for you. We have to have the establishment of a strong spiritual foundation. Look at this picture. I mean, if you start at the top left, the sheep gate, and you go down to the fish gate, then it makes a turn. It's the first turning point. Gets to the old gate, then there's a long straight wall down to the valley gate, and then from the valley gate, it makes another turn uh, to the dung gate. And so, we're going to look at those three today. We're going to look at the old, the valley, and the dung gate today. And they all have a meaning. They all have a purpose, okay? So, just hang with me as, as we move forward today. And I titled today's message, The Turning Point. The Turning Point. So, I'm going to uh, give you the practical, the personal, and the prophetic aspect of each of these three. And then I'm going to bring it all back around and, um, and, and hopefully... Uh, give implication for us today. So the old gate, you can read about, again, this, this entirety is, can re, be read in chapter 3, and in, in verse 6 it references that the old gate says it, the old gate was repaired, 
They laid its beams, they set up its doors, and they installed its bolts and bars. They restored this and repaired this. The practical aspect of this old gate is, is this. It's the oldest city gate that was ever made. The personal aspect, it speaks to us of the old established ways of truth. The prophetic aspect speaks to a period of time where the church fathers furthered established the faith and the truth of God's word to counter persecution and attacks from unbelievers. What's called that pre-Nicene era of 100 to 325 A.D. You can see, looking back at history, you can see that took place. And even looking at it today, you can see how the Lord has established the truth of his word over all of these years that it is still alive, still the top-selling book, okay? Still, because these words have more, this book has more than just a story. It, in, in history, the Bible calls its own self living and active, powerful, able to conquer, able to divide, able to energize, able to shift, able to change, able to transform, able to direct, able to guide, able to light, able to feed, able to sustain. It has all of those components and so many more in these words. The valley gate, reference in verse 13, says the valley gate was repaired. It says it said they set up its doors, they installed its bolts, and they installed its bars. The practical aspect of the valley gate is that several valleys literally surrounded Jerusalem, and this gate opened up to a valley. Personal, it speaks to the, uh, what is called valley-type experiences, trials, challenges, troubles, etc. These things we don't like to speak of. The prophetic aspect speaks to a time when Christianity went through regression following the Emperor Constantine around 390 A.D. Look back in history, you can see that that was the case, but you can also see that working in a day and time like now, where over the last decade, uh, so many Christians have stopped going to church. The percentages are kind of high, and instead of increasing in church, it has decreased over the last decade. Third, the dung gate, verse 14, it says, and this gate was repaired. It said they rebuilt it, they set up its doors, and they installed its bolts and bars. You can see that moving along through all of these. The practical aspect is this. All of Jerusalem's rubbish and waste was taken out through this gate. Personal. Speaks to how the Holy Spirit spiritually leads us through the valley-type experiences to remove rubbish and waste from our lives. Prophetic, it speaks to a time where the Lord moved in the lives of his people during the Reformation period to clear away a lot of doctrinal and spiritual rubbish. Look back over time, you can read about that and you can see how he did that. And in looking back even now, looking at, at our day and time now, how I and so many others, you can look across the world, church, the Lord is moving across this world. The news says what it wants to say, because the news wants to control what we hear and what we believe. But if we will pay attention to the signs of the Spirit moving in our day and time, we'll see that there are waves of revival, people being born again all around this planet. All around this planet. There are people, there are churches that have way less type of 
conditions that we have, earthly conditions like a place to meet in openly and publicly, that are gathering and that are meeting, that churches are congregating underground and in secret places, and people are coming to the Lord by the droves. People are giving their lives to the faith. People are surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus. Pick a country God is moving mightily in this world. So let me tell you, don't buy the hype that Christ is dead that God has forgotten his people, that he's not moving, that it's a dry and barren wasteland. No, it's not. The spirit is blowing. The spirit is moving. God's word is being preached. People are being healed. People are being saved. People are being set free all across the world. Maybe we should do a, st- a series on the headlines of the Christian faith that the news isn't telling. But here's the thing. The sad thing about that is you've got to be looking for it. You've got to go on and you've got to subscribe to it so that you can get the emails, you can get the newsletters, you can get the magazines or whatever it is. You can get on the websites. Let me tell you, go and start looking up the ways God is moving in this world. It'll build your faith. It'll give you some hope. And it'll certainly give you a, fresh, a, breath, of fresh, a, a breath of fresh air for where you live today in the United States. Come on, Jesus is on the throne, and the gospel is being preached. The gospel is being lived out, and I'm, and I'm believing just like the Great Reformation, and then since then, all the other different waves of revival that were noted on the map, there will be a great and mighty revival in our day and time. Amen. That we want to see the lost saved. We want to see the prodigals come home. We want to be, see the sick and the lame healed and delivered for the glory of God. So that's kind of the practical, personal, prophetic aspects of these three things. Let's bring this around to uh, into our own world today. Look at this in Jeremiah 6. Jeremiah 6, he says this, verse 16, the Lord says. So this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way. Walk in it. Travel its path. You will find rest for your souls. You know, there's something to be said about something that has been tried and true. Something that weathers the state and the trials of time that still remains. Truth, no matter how old it is, is still truth. There must be a point in time when a believer will turn the corner and take that long, hard walk of obedience in the same direction. Every single believer must come to this point in their life, in their faith. Am I going to go with the Lord? Am I going to stay with Him? Am I going to gut it out? Am I going to faith it out? Am I going to pray it out? Am I going to walk it out? Am I going to live this out? You see that in the picture of, of, this, uh, of this city. From the old gate, there's that long wall down to the valley gate, signifying that there comes a point in time in a believer's life where we got to turn the corner, and we got to commit ourselves to the ways of the Lord. 
I'm not talking about being some holy roller. I'm not talking about being some, some perfecter in the faith because that is impossible. I'm talking about being an honest, sincere, authentic Christian who knows that when you fall, you get back up. When you make mistakes, you repent. When you get it wrong, you make it right. You put your hope and your trust and your faith in the lordship of Jesus Christ, and through it all, he will see you through it, he will be there with you, and you will get through whatever it is you're going through in life. You either have people today that, want to, that are wanting that latest, greatest, newest teaching to just wow them. You know what I'm talking about? That we just cannot be satisfied with what we've already been taught. And I'm not talking about saying that there can't be new revelation because you can never exhaust the Word of God. There's always so much more to know, so much more to grow in, etc. But what I'm saying is not living for the wow factor, but living for the one who is wow, who is Christ, who is on the throne, and not waiting around and hoping that, man, if I'm not entertained, then I'm probably not going to go. There's a lot of people that live that way, a lot of Christians that live that way, engage church life, church attendance, church engagement, that if it doesn't entertain me, then I'm not going to go show up for it. Trust me, you don't want to be that kind of person. You don't want to be that kind of believer. There's also people who try to take the word, the truth, and change it according to what the world thinks is right. Here's the thing. This old gate, this gate may be old, but it still serves a purpose. This truth may be old, but it still serves a purpose. It's, my, it have been, it's been around a long time, but trust me, it still serves a purpose. It is still relevant. It is still personal. It is still self-engaging. This old gate may be old, but it still serves a purpose. Let me just say this, if I may. If you're, you're old, you feel old. You may say you're old. You may think you may be old. Let me tell you, you're here, you have a life, you have breath, your heart's beating right now. You still serve a purpose. Do not buy the lie of the enemy that you're done and you're washed up and there's no more you can offer, no more you can give, no more you can contribute. No, there's so many different people in this church and all around you that need your testimony. They need to see that you have been tried and you are still true, that you have learned to walk that long, hard walk of obedience in the same direction, and you didn't turn, you didn't fade. Oh, opportunities knocked. Different situations said you could. It's every right of yours to throw in the towel, but you said, no, I'm going to stay with the Lord because he has stayed with me. I'm going to be faithful to God because he has been faithful to me. People need to see those who will walk that long, hard walk of obedience even when it is not that fun. And life has not been that good to you. There's some of you here today, you know what I'm talking about. And if you're young, let me tell you, if you want a life of significance, you want a life of fulfillment, you want a life that matters, you want a life that people will talk about in a good way, Learn to follow in the footsteps of those who have chosen to walk that long, hard walk of obedience in the same direction. You'll never regret it. Not one day of your life. You will never regret going that way, the old godly way. Because the promise here is you'll find rest for your souls. Amen? We must remember that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13, 8. And so is the truth. 
Jesus is the same, and so is the truth. And we must not only remember that, but we must also remember we have a responsibility to pass on this truth to the up-and-coming generations. Just like this dedication of this child this morning, this family, three generations represented. They, don't, they weren't perfect. If you could talk to them, I'm sure they could tell you we weren't perfect in all of our upbringing. We made mistakes. But you can see the testimony of the faithfulness of God that when we put our life in the trajectory of the Lord, he is faithful to keep us and stay with us and help us and get it to three generations. That we have a responsibility. Psalm 78 reminds us that we have a responsibility to tell the generation coming up about the ways of God. To share those stories. To not only share the scripture, but to share also the story of faith of how God has worked in your life. And how God was faithful in your life. And how he did certain things and made certain things happen. And how he always came through. It highlights the, all the old stories of, of the Old Testament in that, in that psalm. But it also reminds us there are more stories yet to be written in our day and time today. Pass on the old godly way and you won't regret it. James chapter 1, everybody's favorite scripture. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You know, valley-type experiences, they test our faith. It grows our endurance, and it has a way of ridding our life of anything that causes us to be less than Christ. We don't enjoy those valley-type experiences. I don't know anybody that just says, sign me up for valley-type experiences, trials and tribulations and challenges and setbacks. I don't know anybody in my circle that just says, I just pray every day that the Lord would push me right into those things. If you do, you probably, yeah, you, need, you probably need something else. <laughs> but if, uh, these valley-type experiences, you, you can also read this about in 2 Corinthians 4. And in 1 Peter 1, if you're writing any kind of side notes, 2 Corinthians 4 and 1 Peter 1. Here's the thing. If we'll let him, the Lord, he will use these valley-type experiences for our own personal growth. We have all had them, and we will continue to have valley-type experiences. Psalm 23 and Psalm 84 teach us that we are to walk through the valleys, not live there. Not live there. In other words, valleys have a starting point and an ending point. They begin and they end. In Luke 4, you can read about Jesus having his own valley-type experience. This was, he, he went through this particular valley-type experience just before his, he went public with his ministry. And it said that he was led into the wilderness for 40 days by the Spirit of God for 40 days. And in that 40 days of testing, the, the enemy showed up in his life, and there were three different temptations that came his way. Through that, he passed the test. His faith was, in, was greater. His endurance grew. And you saw how 
how the, how the Holy Spirit worked in Jesus' life, the Son of God's life, to rid his life of things that he didn't need. And it shows that throughout that entire experience. But it also shows this, that it, had, it was 40 days. It started and it ended. Our trials don't last a lifetime. We'll go through different ones. Valley-type experiences, they come and go. They start and they end. But through each one, it's for our own personal growth if we will let the Lord use it in that way for us and how it will rid our life of anything that is less than what Christ intends for us. And here's what it says about when he came out of the 40 days. It said that he returned filled with the Spirit's power. Filled with the Spirit's power. Filled with the Spirit's power. So... The Lord, God worked in him to show us that when we yield to these valley-type experiences and we walk through them, that our life will actually get stronger, that we'll have the help and the power of the Holy Spirit working in our life. In other words, our faith will grow stronger, like James says. Our endurance will get bigger and greater, and we'll have more of Christ in us than we did before we went through that valley-type experience. So let me, let me encourage you. Don't run from valley-type experiences when they show up in your life. Go ahead and decide, I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to walk through it because I know when I walk through it and I get on the other side, I will be stronger. I will have a testimony. I will have a story. My faith will be greater. My endurance will be stronger. And I'll have the help of the Holy Spirit in me. And I will actually be able to help somebody else. Your story will be able to help someone else valley type experiences and then lastly philippians 3 i've chosen the passion translation if you've got that on your phone or actually carrying the passion translation bible it's philippians 3 this is written by the apostle paul and this is what he says in verse 8 He says, to truly know Christ meant letting go of everything from my past and throwing all my boasting on the garbage heap. It's all like a pile of manure to me now so that I may be enriched in the reality of knowing Jesus Christ and embrace him as Lord in all of his greatness. My passion is to be consumed with him and not clinging to my own righteousness. Did you catch that beginning part? So to truly know Christ means I'm letting go of everything from my past, throwing all of my boasting in the garbage heap. It's like a pile of manure that is now enriching the reality of knowing Jesus. Isn't that what manure does? It, it, it's nasty and it stinks and it smells, but it enriches the soil where it was placed. That's like when we take our selfishness and our pride and our whatever and we give it to the Lord, he then in turn has a way of redeeming and bringing back good and life back into our life, enriching our life, and we actually get closer to him and know him more. Look down verse 12. Paul says, I admit, even though I say what I said, even though I wrote what I wrote, I got to tell you this, he said, I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing. In other words, this is what I have done and this is what I intend to do. Letting the Lord rid my life of things I don't need. 
but I haven't got there yet. I'm not perfect at it yet. I haven't made it. He says, this is what I do, though. I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and he wants me to discover. Did you know that? There is a purpose that Jesus has called you to fulfill and that he wants you to discover. There's a purpose that he has for you. And this is what Paul says. However, though, I don't depend on my own strength. I don't depend on my own strength to do this. I do have this one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. So, let all who are fully mature have this same passion. Those who have entrusted themselves to the old, godly, established ways of truth. Let them have this same passion. But he also says this, if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. So, hey, you may not have these desires just running like a passion on the inside of you to give yourself to the Lord fully and go all in in your faith with God every single day. But Paul says, look, if you want it, God will reveal it to you. God will dispense that to you. If deep down you're like, man, I wish I had faith like, I wish I could accomplish that. I wish this didn't get me down. I wish this didn't trouble me. I wish this wasn't a hindrance in me. I wish whatever it was wasn't a setback to me. If you pray it and you give it to the Lord, God will instill in you a desire and a passion like you've never had before to go after his purpose that he has for your life. That you don't have to be derailed by the distractions of the seasons of life you're in. God can take those seasons you're in, those valley-type experiences you're in, and he can use them for your good and rid your life of things that you, that you really don't think you need, that you don't need, that he knows you don't need. And he says this lastly, let us all advance together to reach this victory prize, following one path with one passion. Let us all advance together. I love the heart of, the, of Paul as he's bringing it around. You can see his heart's desire is like, look, here's me and here's you and there you are and there you are and there you are and there you are. But here's the thing. God wants us all to catch this. God wants us all to have this passion. God wants us all to be running this race. He wants us all on this one path together. You know, there's no one, there is absolutely no one who has become perfect in faith, having no setbacks or struggles, not one. Paul shows us that. The dude was a perfect Pharisee in his day and time. I mean, he stood head and shoulders above all the other Pharisees in his day and time. Perfect. But here he is after conversion in Christ, able to say, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. There is not one of us who could not stand to allow the Lord 
to rid our lives of some things that we think we actually need, that we think we actually need to have, maybe excuses, maybe behaviors, maybe mindsets. Think about it. What are some old habits, some old mindsets, some old behaviors that you just need to turn the corner on this year? That 2020 is your year. You know, I'm going to turn the corner on this. And I like Paul, I'm not going to look back. I'm going to part ways with that part of who I used to be. Paul said it a couple of times. I'm going to leave my entire past behind me. It's going to eat my dust because I'm going to run so hard after the Lord. I'm going to drive myself so passionately after the things of God. That the things that used to hold me, the things that used to control me, the things that used to manipulate me, the things that I used to just let just be a chain in my life and a, and a sabotage in my faith and a setback in my life. No, those things, though, I'm turning the corner on that stuff this year. I'm turning the corner. There comes a time in our life, friends, where we have to turn the corner and we have to be committed to the future with what God has. We don't look back. We don't turn around. We keep our faith in front of us. Jesus is faithful. Will you stand with me? You know, the turning point, it's a decision. It's a decision to keep moving forward in and with Christ. Come on, if if we could all be honest, we all have had times where we're like, man, I'm just tired, I'm exhausted. I'm drained. I don't have faith for this. I don't think I can. That's what the turning point's about. We may have, the thing about this picture of this city that we, as we go through it, it's not just a one and done. We're going to find ourselves walking around this city, figuratively, so to speak, throughout our life, checking each gate. Checking, is each one strong? How strong is that old gate in your life? How strong is that old gate? Are you walking in the old godly ways today? Can you be honest and say, hey, yeah, I am devoted. I'm committed to, the, to that. How, how strong are the, is that valley gate of yours? Are you afraid to face what's in front of you? Maybe you're just kind of tired of dealing with what you're dealing with. Are you walking or are you retreating through those valleys? How strong is that other gate? (laughs) Are you running with passion towards God's purpose for your life? Or are you allowing yourself to just be derailed by some things right now? And they're very real. They're very personal. Today, if you're feeling weak, in your faith today we want to pray with you today you're here and you might be like you know I'm really not walking that in that old godly way of truth I'm really not but I want to it's in my heart I really want to we want to pray with you and maybe you've maybe you've lost all sitting all drive to just go after all that the Lord has for you maybe you've just been punched in the gut too many times and you can't seem to catch your breath You've had one setback after another setback, one rainy season after another rainy season. 
We want to pray with you. We want to trust the Lord with you that you have your faith restored. Your faith be enlarged. We want to see the endurance of God in you. We want to see you strong and rise up and pursue with passion the purpose and the destiny that God has created you for. That's part of what this church is about. What every local church is about is to do this thing together. 